Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we are again going to get right into the news today because unfortunately the ripples and waves emanating from the country's ongoing protests against police brutality and injustice directed at black people have begun to impact other areas of life, including theater. As we talked about on Monday, the pressure for shows and arts organizations to publicly comment on the basic human fact that black lives matter has taken its next natural and rightful step. Black theater artists are now demanding that these organizations live up to the lofty language of their emails to supporters and social media posts. And many are taking this opportunity to call out the racism that they have experienced working in the industry. Now, Ashley, you and I had a long discussion about this on Tuesday. We are two white people, if people were not aware of that. Yes. And rather than our... And rather than inserting ourselves into these artists' narratives by providing the commentary that we normally would on other stories, instead, we are going to let their words speak for themselves. We will give you the who's, what's, where's, and so on of the stories so that you understand who is saying what and how. But otherwise, we will let the individual artists' own words tell their stories. The first personal account that we want to highlight is from writer and actor Griffin Matthews. He co-wrote the musical Witness Uganda with his husband Matt Gould. The show was eventually retitled Invisible Thread when it appeared off-Broadway. He is also an actor on the Netflix show Dear White People, which plays into the title of this video. He posted the video to his social media accounts and it was called Dear Amy Cooper, Broadway is Racist. Now, if you only saw the post on Twitter... It cuts off a majority of right. the video because it's only Twitter about only le- two minutes on Twitter when it's the seven on Facebook. Correct. Um, in this video, he discusses some of the racist micro and macro aggressions that he experienced during the development of the show. The video, like you said, is just a little bit over seven minutes long, and we will play the full unedited audio at the end of this this episode, with the express permission of Griffin, whom we have extended a standing invite to come and talk to us on Broadway radio, if and when he would ever like to. For some context, before you listen to it at the end of the episode, Second Stage produced the show off-Broadway, and it was directed by Diane Paulus. Now, Ashley, Griffin wasn't the only black artist to take to social media to share their experiences with racism in the Mm -hmm. theater. In a widely shared post Cody Renard Richard, who has worked as a stage manager at Hamilton, Kinky Boots, Paramore, Jesus Christ Superstar Live, The Wiz Live, and more, um, said on Twitter, quote, Community is a word to suggest unity, a word that suggests inclusion, a word that suggests we all share common attitudes, interests, and goals. So many things have been said the last couple of days, but I want to speak directly to the Broadway and theater community. I've been very fortunate to live in this New York City bubble for the last 10 years and to be part of this community. But racism is everywhere. As much as we don't like to talk about it, it's everywhere, even in our little community of open-minded individuals. If you still don't see it, let me paint a bigger picture for you. He then goes on to talk a little bit more before highlighting some of the very few examples of the racism that he has seen directed at him and some of his black colleagues over the years. He says, quote, I was standing backstage at Motown, the musical on Broadway, wearing my hoodie, and a stagehand came up to me and said, Hey, Trayvon. I started a new gig on Broadway, and one actress decided not to learn my name at first. Instead, she decided that it was okay to call me Brown, insert name of employee I replaced, for a month because she thought it was a funny joke. 
someone came up to me backstage at Kinky Boots on Broadway and asked if I was attending the company barbecue because, quote, you people love barbecues. A co-worker touched my beard and then said, it feels like pubic hair. Is that how all black people's hair feels? I witnessed a colleague tell a black actress that her natural hair looked, quote, unkept messy and that she should do something with it before our presentation of a new musical during a workshop. I've had a supervisor tell me to deal with a certain situation because I could relate to the issue, quote, you're black. I've constantly heard the never funny joke of smile so I can see you when standing backstage in the dark doing my job. I've listened to countless white peers say, quote, they won't hire me. Black is in right now. You're lucky. I've heard, quote, oh, right. The other one being said one too many times when creatives mistake black cast members for each other. He then says, sadly, I could go on and on with these examples, but I will stop there. That is only a portion of the post um, that Cody put up on his Twitter. We, of course, will have the complete uh, link in the show notes if you would like to read it all. Then, Ashley, over the weekend, I think mostly or, or into Monday, uh, Exient Magazine NYC compiled a list of posts from artists who have expressed their own experiences dealing with racism in, racism in life in the theater, and the thoughts on what is going on across the country. And uh, you're going to read one of those mm -hmm. for us now. Yeah, one of those comes from playwright Dominique Moriso, who wrote on her Facebook page, quote, Sometimes things have to burn. It's not convenient, polite nor considerate. This is what rage is. Fire and destruction until action, action, action. We want to say, not in our neighborhood. Where will we shop? What restaurants will we eat in? This is not an attack on small business. When we mourn corporations that are on fire, we have to ask ourselves, do said corporations mourn the daily fires that plague us on the streets, on our jobs? When we sacrifice our health during a pandemic to ensure that their economic bottom line is reached? This fear of burning it down has to go both ways, or it is useless. We have been burnt out for a long time by the very institutions we are crying over. Save our tears. They can be our medicine when we are denied proper health care, which has been always. And this is also just an excerpt of that post, Matt. So we will include that in our show notes as well. Yes, we will. We'll include the entire thread from yes. Exient, um in there where this comes from. And one last one I want to read in this section. It comes from activist, uh, Pace University professor and playwright Keeley Gibson. And I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about him in a minute. Um, he had a social media post entitled, for theaters who have considered virtue signaling when systemic change wasn't enough. In it, Keeley said, quote, I see a lot of folks in my field asking for theaters to acknowledge what's going on. Two things. If they haven't yet, the only reason they will in the near future is because they essentially have to now. They see the pressure and are scrambling. This amounts to virtue signaling, which is the worst kind of allyship. If they show their support via a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram post, Will you be satisfied? Will their simple acknowledgement keep you donating and or supporting them as an organization? Because I won't be satisfied. And if we are looking at America's systemic race problem, then we have to treat all the organizations housed in this country with the same diligence and anti-racist accountability. If these theaters want to satisfy me, they'll seek to have more black and brown staff, more black and brown board members, more black and brown audience members, and not just on special designated read segregated nights after the quarantine. 
Their leadership, mostly white and male and of a certain generation, will think long and hard about what it means for the future of an institution headed by a white male of a certain generation, and will step down, move over, get out of the way if need be. That's what will satisfy me. So wait for these theaters to release a statement of support and solidarity if you want. I'll be waiting for change to happen at the root, in their leadership, and in the way they move forward. Uh, again, we'll have a link. That was the full post, but uh, we will have a link to that if you would like to see it again in the show notes. Now, Ashley, because of a lot of these sentiments and the state of the country as a whole, a number of organizations have delayed events, beginning with the Public Theater's Monday Night Gala, which you mentioned in an earlier episode. Then the American Theater Wing and the Village Voice postponed their 65th annual Obie Awards, which were supposed to take place this coming Thursday. No date has yet been announced for either event to be rescheduled for. Additionally, Broadway On Demand has officially postponed their Tony Awards celebration that was set for this Sunday night, the original night for the Tony Mm -hmm. Awards. A new date will be announced later. I've also heard that Broadway.com is planning to do the same thing with their Tony celebration. That's what I was just about to pose to see if that was going to be the case, Uh, because as far as I know, they hadn't, as of this recording, hadn't announced that yet. They have not. No, I checked on their social media before um, I we started recording. They have not yet, but I have been told through the grapevine that that will be coming. There are other events that were canceled and will be rescheduled when we get new dates for those. We, of course, will let you know. In response to the ongoing situation nationally, though, yesterday, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS announced that they would donate $25,000 to the organization Color of Change, which is the nation's largest online racial justice organization. In a statement, BCEFA's executive director, Tom Viola, said, quote, They are doing difficult, important, immediate work from challenging injustice and holding leaders accountable to changing our country's systems of inequality. This donation is just one small step in a longstanding commitment. So I'm very pleased to know that BCEFA is going to yes. uh, make Color of Change a long-term partner because we've long Absolutely. talked about how BCEFA uh, does great work with uh, partnering. Absolutely. In other news yesterday, Stacey Rose and Keeley Gibson, whose social media post I read earlier, announced that they would be launching a call to action on their Facebook pages for black artists to hold theaters accountable and how they relate to, work with, and present black artistry. Their post reads in part, quote, Many of us feel a sense of deep betrayal after the lag in response to gross violations to black bodies around the nation by the illustrious institutions that claim to hold our stories so dear. We are living in revolutionary times. It is a time to revolutionize how we create as individuals and how we engage white spaces should we choose to moving forward. Equity is no longer a request. It's a requirement. Keele said, Stacy Rose and I are gathering information in order to gather these theaters and hold them accountable. Fill out the form, share and forward to your networks of black and brown theater makers. Our goal is to collate all of this information to come up with a list of non-negotiable terms that we can present to theaters who want to work with us. We, of course, will have a link to more on this story in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com. A few other things I would like to mention, uh, Broadway producer and publicist Matt Ross 
tweeted out a uh, a thread in which he discussed putting together a series of anti-racism workshops for the Broadway community while partnering with Undoing Racism. Um, and he is looking for different people from the theater industry to partner with him on putting this together. If that is something that you would like to be involved in, I will have a link in that. It's already got a ton of responses. So if that is something nice. that you would like to be a part of, um, please do that. And then to kind of wrap this up, um, earlier this week uh, on Monday, David Gordon over at Theater Mania put together some of the stats from the Broadway season that was obviously uh, interrupted early on, in which the title of the article is Broadway was woefully behind when it came to diversity on creative teams. Some of the notes from the season, and again, not all of the season actually happened, and some of the, the different shows are included in some of his stats and some aren't. But he said, out of 37 shows, only four were written by artists of color. Only one was written by a female identifying artist of color. Of those four, only two were directed by artists of color, both male identifying a slave play by Robert O'Hara and a soldier's play by Kenny Leon. Out of 37 shows, 33 principal creative and or design teams featured two artists of color or fewer. Then if you end the season at Girl from the North Country, which is the last show to officially open, 17 out of 21 shows featured two artists of color or fewer on their principal creative and or design teams. There's a lot of other um, stats in there, but when this is what we are talking about, I think it is very important to note that these things yeah. happen at all levels. And some of these things are very quantifiable. Mm -hmm. Some of them are not. Some of them are. Uh, right. But I think it's important to be able to have these facts to back up a lot of the things that people are giving to us anecdotally. Yeah, we already said a little on Monday's show, but for white people and white-led theater companies, it's more than just acknowledgement and releasing a statement. It's making space. It's decentering ourselves, which is a, a large part of the reason why we're presenting everything without commentary today and likely throughout most of this it's it's taking ourselves out of positions of power because there is such a significant imbalance of power in a system that is upheld by white supremacy anyone with platforms any white people and to some extent non-black people of color with platforms and influence and any clout in this industry needs to do more in every industry but especially theater since we're devoted to theater and everyone that we've read so far today has been talking about racism in the theater industry not just when it comes to the protests but always theater is going to come back in due time whenever that may be is it going to what's it going to look like when it comes back is it going to be the same system that doesn't work as griffin matthew says in his video or will it be an equitable system that lifts up all voices at every level we we have the opportunity to dictate what theater is going to look like but it needs to be a mass overhaul at this point yeah it would be very uh, telling if things do not change uh before we get into griffin matthews audio as we promised that we would do at the end of the episode i do want to point you to an article that i will have in the show notes um that is it's effectively a statement that broadway world put out and obviously i'm partial because i uh am still freelance there and i actually uh, penned the statement that is at the top of this article. But the point of this is, is that we have listed just a ton of links for, if you want to do something good in this fight um, for 
racial uh, equality and against racial injustice. We have donation links from everything from just the Black Lives Matter official page, the George Floyd Memorial Fund, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Then we have countless bail funds, if that is something you're interested in. Then we have a link uh, to dozens upon dozens of uh, Black-led arts organizations as well, if you would like to support those. That is a list that we will be adding to over at Broadway World um, as more and more things become available and as other things get brought to light. So I will put a link to that if you need some place to get started in trying to do something actionable rather than just doing something on social media. There have been, uh, as you and I have talked about, but there have been other theater company or theater companies that have been compiling lists as well, including Playwrights Horizons, totally. which is doing a large list that they're added, a- adding to as well for resources, resources for racial justice, which will also include, and that includes George Floyd Memorial Fund, uh, I Run With Maud, American Civil Liberties Union, Black Lives Matter, all the organizations that are currently uh, donating for neighborhood bail funds and national bail funds. So I, and Nina Pop Mental Health Recovery Fund, Okra Project, whatever you find that you can, we have to, (laughs) we keep talking about what a difficult time it is and keep asking for donations, either as far as the pandemic or as far as bail funds or or as far as anything that's going on at this point, theater funds. But I think, unfortunately, that speaks to the moment that we're going through. Yeah, I want to move on to the video, but there, you, that, you brought up such a great point that a lot of people don't have money right now to donate. Yeah. I'm going to put a link into the show notes, and it is a YouTube video that is uh, about 56 and a half minutes long. All you have to do is let that video play. All of the advertising money... Um, that comes from that goes directly to Black Lives Matter. So I will include that in the show notes as well as a way to, if you do not have the ability to contribute funds at this time, which is totally understandable given the fact that we are still in the midst of a global pandemic, this is a very small way that you can do that. It's already over 2 million views on YouTube and it was just posted uh, on May 30th. So I guess that would have been Saturday. So um, that is just a, a small way you can do it. I might be cynical or some might be cynical about whether this actually works or not but it doesn't hurt you to try. Actually, that is all that we have for today. We want to thank everybody for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley, Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right, we will end this show with the full unedited seven plus minutes of Griffin Matthews' video, Dear Amy Cooper, Broadway is Racist. This has been an extraordinarily difficult week for me. Um, It's been emotional. It's been isolating. Uh, It's been anxiety-inducing. And I decided to go silent on social media because I didn't know how to contribute to the conversation. And I woke up this morning and thought, okay, I should put down my thoughts and say why. I'm so triggered and say why uh, we want people to listen to us. And so this is my experience detailing, making a, a musical that some of you know, Witness Uganda, also known as Invisible Thread, uh, back when we were making it for Off-Broadway in New York City. And this is my thoughts. They're sensitive. I've never shared them. I think this is the moment.
We all saw the video of Amy Cooper pulling her white lady privilege card on a black man in Central Park as he asked her to simply follow the rules. She threatened his reputation, his livelihood, and his life. It was a revelation for America, but it was extremely triggering for me because I have been in the room where it happens and Amy Coopers are alive and well in the American theater. Also, white men can be Amy Coopers too. Here are just a few things that happened to me along the way. Strong arming a black writer after you've already purchased the rights to my work by saying, I will not produce your show if you do not change the title, exit your role as lead actor and exit your role as lead writer is a direct threat, and that is Amy Cooper. A director saying in a casting session that an actress doesn't look black enough to be in Witness Uganda is what black people call the paper bag test, and that is Amy Cooper. Second stage, wanting to honor the work of Matt and I for their annual gala with the promise of a hefty donation to our charity, asking our entire cast to perform for free, and then parading us around their gala to talk about the importance of their risky endeavors. Yet the donation never came. That is Amy Cooper. A white reviewer noted that our 20-something black actors playing high school kids and college graduates looked a little old for the roles. The show that followed ours was Dear Evan Hansen, starring a bunch of white 20-somethings playing high schoolers. Their looks were never on the table because white people get to play make-believe on stage. Black people are scrutinized for our wigs, our costumes, our ages, our skin color, our bodies, our vocals, our muscles, or our curves, and that is Amy Cooper. A white theater reviewer said, And then Big Mama comes out to sing the gospel number. They were referring to Melody Betts's incomparable performance of Bella Musana. Her character's name was Rain Lady, not Big Mama. And that is Amy Cooper. A theater reviewer attempted to destroy my career by saying the only thing that Griffin Matthews cares about is Griffin Matthews. And then proceeded to not only rip apart my show, but also attack me personally never once asking why an entirely white theater producing staff, director, Broadway producer, bought and paid for my material. I became the singular scapegoat inside of a $2 million musical, and that is Amy Cooper. And when that racist review came out, not one person on the producing entity challenged it. Not one person defended the singular black voice that they had just paraded around at their gala. And that is Amy Cooper. In the middle of a heated creative team meeting, our director stood up and screamed in my face, I do not work for you, when in fact, she did. She worked for me. The director works for the writer to bring forward the vision, and in that moment, she was Amy Cooper. A song in Act One mentioned the fact that I was the son of slaves. Our producer in the middle of a creative team meeting said, Slavery is over. No one wants to hear about that. Not one single person put him in check, and that is Amy Cooper. See, the thing about Amy Cooper is she is a liberal. She is an artistic director. She is a Tony winner. She is a producer. She teaches at Harvard. She is charismatic. She is an excellent public speaker and fundraiser. She puts on pretty dresses and speaks eloquently about how much she cares about diversity and inclusion. She has made her entire career about that. She works with black people. She believes she loves black people. She buys their work. And then behind closed doors, she steals it. 
She manipulates it. She has no time or patience to research it. She has no idea of how to defend it because she never understood it. She waits for everyone else to tell her if it's good or if it's relevant or if it's award-worthy because she sincerely has no idea what's what. Her black experience is strictly about money and profits. She has no real black friends and has never needed to have them because that's not part of the equation of rising to the pinnacle of success on Broadway. Think about that. White people literally need not one black person to become a Broadway sensation, to become a millionaire, to become a Tony winner, to become Broadway history. Not one black person is needed to achieve that. And that is why Broadway is racist. It is teeming with racist theater owners, producers, directors, writers, artistic directors, choreographers, agents, managers, actors, stage managers, company managers, casting directors, press teams, and reviewers pretending to be allies. And if the word racist st stings you, it should. Because racist behavior has been stinging artists of color since the very beginning. Racism has been stealing our dreams, choking our stories, looting our talent, destroying our bank accounts, and then discarding us when we are no longer valued. And here is the deepest revelation from me. I may never make it to Broadway for simply speaking out against the horrific treatment that I received, and all of the Amy Coopers will be fine. Because they won't read this, or they won't care that I wrote it, because they do not need black people to reach the pinnacle of success. And that is why I say, burn it down. The institution isn't working. It never was. Black artists have been keeping a secret from you. We have been performing on stage and off. That's the secret. And we're tired. We're tired of keeping it. We are done. I am done. The Great White Way needs a real black friend immediately. And one more thing. Book of Mormon is racist. There. I said it. <laughs>